So we have spent this semester since like uh, January to now talking about holiness. And today is our last uh, message in this series that we've been calling the pursuit of holiness. And we talked about how the pursuit of something means to chase after something, to run after something. So to say that we are after holy or to pursue holiness is to say that we are chasing after this thing called holiness. And we have spent the last probably all of January, February, and now a little bit of March talking about what holiness means, what holiness is about. We define holiness as this. We say that holiness means to be set apart from sin. So you and I have sin. We have lived in sin. We've struggled with sin. But when God saved us through Jesus Christ, he sets us apart from sin. Sin is this is so cool. This should make you happy. If you came in here grumpy today, this is such an awesome thing. This should make you really happy inside. Check this out. The Bible says that sin shall no longer be your master. That's what holiness is all about, being set apart from sin. It's no longer your master. The Bible says you're no longer a slave. Listen to that. Slave. That means that before Jesus, you were a slave. You're no longer a slave to sin. You've been set free, set apart. That's what holiness means, set apart from sin. Holiness also means this, set apart for God. So, you know, when I think of the word holy, sometimes I think of like these like really churchy people. Maybe they got like a three-piece suit and like a corbata, right? They got a tie right here, and it's all like, there's nothing against ties. God's not against ties, okay? You can wear a tie to church if you want. That's okay. But all I'm saying is like, I get this picture of somebody who's, or maybe somebody who's like a priest or our path, just maybe it's the stereotype of what, that's what I, ooh, holiness, right? That's holy, right? But no, 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 holiness doesn't look like something like that. It, it just means set apart for God. It means set apart from sin for God. And we also said that God is the standard of holiness, that you're not trying to be like me. You're not trying to be like your parents. You're not trying to be like the people around you, but that God is the standard of holiness. And this is what he says about himself. He says, be holy as I am holy. We said that, that was week two. He says, be holy just like I'm holy. And God is perfect in holiness. And he says, I want you to be holy just like the way I'm set apart, he says. That's how I want you to be set apart too. Be holy for I'm holy. He is the standard of holiness. Now we're going to finish this series out today. I'm sick. I hope I can make it through this. (coughs) Oh, I just cursed myself. Sorry. Um, We are going to finish this talk out today talking about prayer, holiness, and prayer, and how prayer helps us to live a holy life. Now, I don't know about you and how you grew up. Maybe you didn't grow up like in a Christian home or seeing your parents' prayer, things like that. Um, Or maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you've never seen your parents pray, which is, you know, that's interesting. But let me just say this, okay? So um, uh, when I was growing up, I remember that um, at my church, when I was in elementary school and then in high school, we would do these prayer services, and these prayer services lasted a long, thanks man, I appreciate it. These prayer services would last a long time, like an hour or two of prayer and music. And the music would keep me awake. But then when we'd get to the prayer part, um, it was like from like 6 p.m. to like 9 p.m. sometimes. And I'd be like just putting my head down, talking to Jesus, I guess. I was like maybe 10 years old. And before I knew it, I was like knocked out of sleep. And my mom would like go like that to me to wake me up a little bit. Or maybe she would also be like, ah, oh, poor mijo, let's let him rest tonight. He's really sleepy today. And, she, and I'd just like 
wake up and it was all over and we would go home and stuff like that. And I would struggle with just kind of staying awake. I also remember some of my earliest mem- memories of prayer are this. I remember like holidays. Like when we had Thanksgiving, like we weren't that family that just said, it's time to eat. Everybody jump in. Like the turkey's there and it's getting cold. And we'd stand around this giant circle together with all my tios and tias and my, grand- my grandparents and my cousins. We'd all stand around. And then my dad or my, at the time my grandfather, who's now passed away, would say something like, okay, who wants to share? Like, oh, I feel like, oh, the turkey's getting cold. Who wants to share? And then, like, my family, like, everybody, my aunts, uncles, everyone was talking, giving thanks, something to be crying, like, not weeping, but like a tear in their eye, like, just being thankful to God over some stuff. And, and, then, and then finally we would end with this prayer, and it just felt like, yeah, this is a good way to do Thanksgiving. And we do the same thing at Christmas, too. We'd be, like, ready to tear into Christmas presents, and I don't know why, but for some reason in my family with all my aunts and uncles and grandparents all together, we had this deal. And the deal was like, we're not going to open any presents. We're going to talk about God and we're going to pray. And then we're going to dig into all these presents and sing uh, Jingle Bells. I'm just kidding, not the Jingle Bells part. But anyway, so, but we'd pray. We'd pray a lot. We'd take a lot of time and we'd pray and we'd talk to God. Now, I want to ask you a question really quick. And the question is actually for four questions. They'll be on the screen if you need them, okay? The first question is this. How's your prayer life? Like when you think about your prayer life, what would you have to say about your prayer life? I'm going to give you a couple of choices. I'll give you like four choices, okay? Number one, um, maybe this is you. No judgment, okay? Love you. Love you to death. No judgment on you tonight. I, I don't really ever want to pray. So notice the way I phrased the question. It wasn't, I don't pray. It's, I don't want to pray, okay? So maybe that's, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're like, I just really have zero desire to talk to God. And hey, that may be for a number of reasons. I don't know why. You may have a reason why you would say, I just don't want to pray. I have zero desire to talk to God. Number two, maybe number two is you. Um, I want to pray. I don't really know how to. I don't really know what to say or how to do it. Maybe you grew up seeing people pray like memorized prayers. And so you're like, I don't really have that many prayers memorized, or I got one or two memorized, but like I'm just kind of tired of saying them already. And I want to pray, but I just don't know what to say. Okay, maybe that's you. Number three. Maybe you're number three. I pray occasionally, like big moments in my life, like right before I have lunch at Chipotle, okay? Or I pray like when I'm stressed out, when I have a test. I, I pray when I'm going through a really bad time or I'm struggling through something in my life. Or maybe um, you pray before meals. Maybe it's just like I, you're like about to eat your cereal <clears throat> and for some reason you can't put those Cocoa Puffs in your mouth because your mom is staring at you like, is, are you going to pray or not? And you're like, okay, fine. Thank you, God, for these Cocoa Puffs. And you start eating, right? Okay, so but maybe, that's, maybe that's what your prayer life is like, okay? I don't know, I don't know. Um, or number four, I pray and talk to God regularly throughout the day. So maybe for you, prayer isn't like this special momentous thing, like things are going bad, I gotta pray, or um, I have to pray before I eat. Maybe for you, prayer is just like this thing that happens throughout the day. It's like I'm walking and I'm thinking about something and I'm saying, God, why this? Or God, why is that? But prayer for you maybe is this constant communication with God that just looks like just thoughts in your mind, stuff in your heart that is just being expressed to God throughout the day as you drive, as you talk, as you walk with people, as you see a problem around you. And instead of just seeing the problem being like, oh, who cares? But you're like, man, God, what is happening there? Maybe that's what your prayer life is kind of like. It's just this constant kind of thing. That's what I want my prayer life to be like. Now, I'll tell you this, okay? Today, we're gonna look at this quick story and we're going to try to learn something really special from Jesus 
on a very specific prayer. It's the prayer from the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, um, there are a lot of ways to learn and teach the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' time in the Garden of Gethsemane. But today I just want to take a minute and just focus on Jesus and how he prayed and what he told his followers to pray about while he was in that garden, okay? Now, the Garden of Gethsemane is this really cool place in the Bible. You know, you could actually go visit the Garden of Gethsemane today, and there's this tree in the Garden of Gethsemane that they believe to be over 2,000 years old. So that tree that's in the garden today, there's a lot of younger olive trees all around the garden, right? But this one tree that's there, they believe that it it was actually there in Jesus' time, Jesus' day when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. They believe it's that old. So in this passage right here, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and he is praying, um, and, and he is, he's about to take the punishment for all of mankind's sins upon himself. He hasn't been arrested yet. He ha- obviously hasn't been crucified yet, and he is going into this garden. They call it the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is beginning to think and consider what is going to, it is going to be like to die for all of mankind's sin, for all of God's wrath and punishment that should have been poured out on people for their sin, it was going to be poured out on Jesus. And that's beginning to kind of sink in. He's known all along, but, but this is the reality. It's right in front of him now. He will about to be betrayed. He will about, he's about to be tried, and he is about to be executed. And all that's going to come, and he knows it's all going to come. He knows exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and it's right in front of him as we look at this passage right here, okay? So let's read together. <clears throat> By the way, this is found in Matthew chapter, oh, no, I'm not sorry, that's not Matthew chapter 26, um, I totally, I messed this up, I'm sorry, um, does anybody have Matthew 26, really quick, I got to make sure I get this right, <clears throat> I'm going to get this right, I'm sorry guys, we got to delete this from the podcast, okay, um, yeah, it is, I'm sorry, it is, Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36, and this is what it says, it'll be on the screen if you need it, okay, it says this, then Jesus with his, um, went with his disciples to this place called Gethsemane, all right, and it says this, that um, he said to them, sit here. So imagine Jesus, it's nighttime. He goes with his followers, 11 of them, not 12. 12 the 12th one wasn't there. 11 of them, he says, you guys sit here. And he says, sit here while I go over there. And what does he say he's going to go do? Anybody? It's on the screen. Free answer, right? right. What? He says, you guys sit here. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to go pray. He's going to go talk to God. He's going to go pray. It's in this garden. It's nighttime. Um, olive trees everywhere. He says this, he's, verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. So he's not going by himself, okay? He's going to pray. He's taking three of them with him to go pray. And, and check this out. This really stands out to me. It says that he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. Have you ever felt sorrow, sorrowful before? Have you ever felt, felt sorrow? Okay, Jesus knows what it's like to feel that. Okay, have you ever felt sorrowful and troubled? He says he felt sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, listen, imagine Jesus, your Savior. He's there. He's standing there, three disciples with him. He turns to them, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed. Jesus, Jesus, the one who, like, walked on water and touched people and healed them, and, like, he was transfigured. That means, like, in one passage in the Bible, he's, like, shining as bright as the sun, and the disciples are like, they can't even look. He's so bright. And and he turns to the disciples, he's like, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he says, will you guys just stay here with me? I love that about Jesus. He says, stay here with me. Keep watch with me. 
He says, my soul was over, is overwhelmed and troubled. Now in verse 39, it says this. He says that he went a little further and he fell on his face. Man, the three disciples are walking with him. He falls to his face with his face to the ground and he prays. And this is what he says to God. This is like, you get like this inside view as to what Jesus is experiencing and thinking right before he dies, on the, before he goes to the cross. He says, my father, is it possible? He's asking God a question. He says, is it possible that this cup be taken from me? And then he says, but not my will, um, but as you will. So he says, is Jesus walking around with a coffee mug? Like, God, please get this coffee's horrible. Take this cup from me. So he is calling everything that he is about to endure and experience when he dies on the cross. He's calling it this cup. And this cup full of the punishment and wrath that mankind deserves. He's, he's about to take this cup, and, and he describes it as this cup that is about to be poured out all on himself, all on him. And he says, God, my Father, is there a way that this cup that's about to be poured on me, all of the wrath, the death, the separation from God, is there a different way that this can be accomplished and happen? And then he says, but not my will. He says, but your will would be done. He says, what I want most, God, is your way, your will. Now, let's keep going. The story's awesome, okay? Verse 40 says this. Then he um, returned to his disciples, and he found them, what? What were they doing? They were sleeping. They were asleep. They were dead asleep. And Jesus says to them, couldn't you guys keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter. He said, you couldn't sleep for just one hour? He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. He says, the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand or anything like that, but can you uh, imagine praying for one hour, like one hour nonstop? Can you imagine? Hey, Eli, are you here? Eli? Eli? Where's Eli? Step down. Okay. Um, okay, I need you to stop talking, please. Can you imagine, Eli? Can you imagine, Eli? <laughs> can you imagine praying for one whole hour? I mean, like, 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 be honest, okay? Anybody ever fallen asleep, like, after 10 minutes of praying, like, you're, or five minutes of praying, you're like, yeah, thank you for being honest, okay? Like, you're, like, going to bed, and it's like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to God today, and like, you're out for the night, right? Well, these, Jesus says, I was praying for one hour, and you guys couldn't watch and make sure that I was going to be okay for just one hour. You couldn't, you couldn't keep up with that. And then he gives them these instructions. He says, I need you guys to watch, and I need you to pray, and he tells them why. He didn't just say pray. He says, I need you to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Let's keep going. Verse 42 says this. He went away a second time and he prayed. He, this is what he said. My father, it, if it is not possible for this cup, he's talking about that cup again. Remember the cup? He's saying again a second time. Can this cup be taken away unless I drink it? May your will be done. Is there a different way, God? But your will be be done. And then he does it a third time. Watch this. Verse 43. When he came back again, he found them asleep again. They're all asleep because their eyes were heavy. So he left them again. He comes and he sees they're asleep again. They have no idea what's going on. And he just says, okay. He leaves them asleep. He walks away again all by himself. And a third time, he goes a third time and he prays again all by himself 
one more time, this last time that he's going to pray in this garden called Gethsemane. Um, has anybody ever slept through something really important? Let's get a little audience participation. You raise your hand first. What have you slept through? Through, through class. That's a little bit important. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, I slept through a Spanish Catholic wedding. Okay, a wedding. Anybody? Yes, go ahead. Oh, your grandpa's funeral. Slept through your grandpa's funeral. Dude, can I just say, that is not one you ever say out loud ever again. By the way, it's going to be on the internet, okay? I won't say your name. I almost said his name. <laughs> Matthew, you slept through your birthday party. Awesome. Okay, listen. Listen, there are quite a few. You win, Matthew. Listen, there are quite a few things that you can sleep through, important things that you can sleep through. You can sleep through SAT. You wouldn't wake up on time because they're usually early in the morning and all that stuff. Now, check this out. <clears throat> Can you imagine for a second that you are Jesus' disciple and he's about to be arrested and killed and his final moments of freedom before he is arrested, he's asked you to watch and pray and all you do is sleep. Like you don't have a clue about what's about to happen. And that's one thing I love about the disciples, that the disciples are dudes that don't get it sometimes and they mess up. And Jesus still loves them and still teaches them and calls them to be his disciple and helps them become his disciple. But can you imagine all of Jesus' final moments of freedom and you're just asleep. And he has, to imagine, he has told you, I'm full of sorrow even to the point of death. And you're just like, that stinks to be you. And you fall asleep. <laughs> that's what, his, that's what the, the final moments of Jesus' disciples with Jesus were like while he was free, because right after this, he's going to be arrested. Um, Jesus goes away. He prays a third time. And again, he says, God, is there a different way that this cup of wrath that's going to be poured on me, is there a different way? And then he says, but your will be done. Your will be done. He said it three times. Now let's finish this story out, and then I got one point to teach you, and we're out of here. All right, verse 45 says this. He returned to his disciples and said to them, are you guys still asleep? Are you still resting? He says, look. The hour has come. It's time. It's time. It's time. This is what I've come to the earth for. The hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered, that the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So Jesus says this, it's time. My purpose for coming to this earth here to save mankind from their sin, it's right here. It's right in front of me. It's time. And when he says, rise, let us go, what he's saying is this. God has said, this is the way. This is the way it's going to happen. I will be crucified. I will be tortured. I will be killed. And this is the way. This is God's plan. This is God's will. And when he says, rise and let's go, he's saying, I am willing. I'm willing to do what the Father has asked me to do. Now, I want to show you this first picture right here, okay? Check this picture out on the screen. You can see like a little stick figure dude, and you see this downward-facing arrow that says temptation, it says sin, and it says death. You know, that Bible actually says that temptation, in James it says that temptation, it um, gives way to um, sin, and sin um, gives birth to um, death. And when it, sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death, death is what it says. So you see this downward Sin, temptation that leads to sin, leads to death. The Bible says that we are so pulled away by our own temptations. We are not naturally pulled to holiness. We're not pulled 
to be holy like God is holy. We are so many times in of ourselves, in our hearts, we're pulled toward the temptation that we personally battle with. And every single person in here, no one's excluded, has like this personal temptation that's got your number. It may be different from mine, but you know what it is for you and you know that it pulls you. It's like gravity is pulling your heart away from God, pulling you away from holiness, pulling you away from being set apart for God. Now I want to show you this second picture, okay? We're going to add a little something to it on this second picture. In the second picture, you see this upward-facing arrow, and you see that God has a will. Now, listen, I'm just going to give you a really simple definition to God's will, okay? If anybody, you've heard, what is God's will? It's God's will, God's will, right? What does that even mean, God's will? Listen, it's really simple. God's will is simply this, whatever God wants. That's his will. It's when you say, God, I want your will, you simply, it's like, whatever you want, God, that's what I want. That's what God's will simply is. And so you see this upward facing arrow. And that upward facing arrow, you see that um, you can be pulled two directions. That you can be pulled toward your temptation, towards sin, or you can be, um, you can give yourself to God's will, to wanting and desiring God's will. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus was all about. I wonder if Jesus if his temptation may have been to um, not do God's will of dying on the cross. You know, the Bible says that he could have called down uh, a legion of angels to remove him from the cross and save him. But he was faithful to what God's will was when he died on the cross. So you, this second, you see the second set of arrows right there in that second picture. You have temptation, sin that you can be drawn to and give yourself to, or you have God's will, and Jesus wanted to be about that. You may remember like this prayer a long time before this, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says, God, your kingdom come. What does he say? Anybody? Your will be done. Somebody even said, thy will be done. Good old King James Version of the Bible, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, that's what Jesus wanted to be about, whatever your will is, God. I'm going to show you this last photo, and then we're done. This third photo is just right here. Listen, in this third photo right here, you see this little red squiggly line. You see that there? Okay. That red line for me is prayer. That red line is prayer. Now here is like the only point of my message tonight. It's this, that prayer, as you look at that red line on the screen there, that prayer sets your heart and your mind on what God's will is. Did you notice in that red line right there that you see like this, you got temptation, sin, death, and you have God's will going this direction, and they're going in two opposite directions, God's way and sin and death the other way. So prayer, that red line right there, is how prayer aligns you. It moves you back to what God's will is. If you don't believe me, that's exactly what Jesus said. It's on the screen there in that little box on the right side. It says, Jesus said, watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. That's what he says. So we are naturally drawn away from holiness toward our temp- the things that tempt us. And Jesus says, watch and pray. And as you do that, your hearts are lined up back to what God's way is, what God's will is. He says, your spirit is willing. That means in our spirit, we say, I want to live for God. I want to do things God's way. But he says, but guess what? Your flesh is weak. So he says, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. So prayer is what strengthens us, strengthens us to resist temptation, and it aligns our heart back to what God's way is, back to whatever God wants. So listen, here's, here's what I want to encourage you in tonight. 
Um, Jesus is our example. He's our perfect example of this. Okay? When Jesus is faced with temptation, what does he do? He prays and he speaks the word of God. He does that throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament. He prays and he speaks the word of God. Now listen, when you are faced with temptation, when you personally are staring face to face with things that tempt you, that pull you away from God and cause you to fall into sin, is your response to pause and to pray. Because that's exactly what Jesus does, and that's his example to us. He says, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. You know, being tempted is not the sin. You could fall into, temp- fall into temptation and sin if you act on that temptation. You and I are going to face temptation all day, every day, all right? Did you hear how I said that? All day, every day, there's temptation all around us. Temptation is not the issue. It's acting and falling on that. And how do you resist that temptation? You pray. You say, God, I want your will. I want your way. And that red squiggly line right there, do you see how that red squiggly line goes like this? It's not like this straight line. Why? Because some days that line goes way closer to temptation and sin. And you're like, man, I'm fighting it today. And I'm not doing that well today, God. Will you please help me? And then some days we are so closely aligned to God's will in our prayer life as we pray. We're like, God, I'm really, I'm really close to you and I'm acting on what you want and what you what your will is God and that's why I drew that little line in the squiggly like that because sometimes our prayer life is solid and we're like drawn close to the heart of God and sometimes our prayer life is so far from him and we're just we're just trying to not let temptation overcome us and rule us sin will be your master no more and yet sometimes it's like I know God says that sin's not my master why am I just so stuck in this temptation and it's, it's, it seems to be controlling me? What do I do? You pray. You pray and watch your heart be lined up back to what God is calling you to do. I think that that is how Jesus walked out of the garden and said, it's time. Let's go do what God's will is and it's gonna mean that I'm gonna die. How did Jesus face that Well, right before he faced that, he talked to his father and said, what is your will? Is this your will? Okay, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. And he walked out of that garden ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. And what did God ask him to do? To die on the cross and to suffer for mankind. So for you, what does this mean? It means that we have to learn how to pray when temptation is right in front of us. And I think that if we can learn to do that, like that red squiggly line, you will see your own heart line up back to what God is asking and calling you to do, whatever he wants you to do. Listen, temptation's right in front of you, okay? The opportunity to act on it and live in it and indulge in it. And we have to literally learn to stop and say, God, My flesh wants this more than anything. You know my flesh, okay? Um, But God, I want what you want more than what even I want. And God says, I'm going to move your heart then to not let this be your master. That's all, right? Let's pray. I'm going to let you get to see groups. God, I love you so much. I need your help. Lord, I um, confess that I need to pray more. Um, I want to pray more. 
and yet sometimes I'm so distracted by things around me. Uh, Lord, will you help all of us to just move into this place in our lives where we uh, so desire to talk to you, God. And I want to thank you, God, that you are faithful to move our hearts to be lined up with what your way is and what your will is. So, God, will you just, um, will you call us to that tonight? We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, okay, got a couple analysis really quick. Number one, I forgot to show you this slide in my message. Um, I think it's in my message slides, Matt. It's 40 days of prayer. It's something that we're doing here as a church, <clears throat> and I want to invite you guys to do this, okay, especially you upperclassmen, all right? Uh, as a church, today, March the 6th, we are kicking off um, an emphasis that we do every single year. It's almost a tradition around here now. Um, it's called 40 Days of Prayer, and it starts today, March the 6th, okay? If you have 99 cents, you can go to the app store in your um, mobile device, iPhone, probably Android too, all right? But anyway, that's another story, okay? But you can go to your mobile device, and if you go to your app store and type in Seek God for the City 2019, it is 99 cents, and you can download that, and then you can walk with us through 40 days of of prayer, okay? It's an awesome app. It tells you exactly what to pray, how to pray, who to pray for. Gives you a, it's a great little Devo to, tool also because it has scripture in it. And we're going to do that together for 40 days. Now, here's the deal. I, I want some of you guys to like, 40 days? Really? Like, that's a long time to press a lot of days to pray. Yes, we're trying to like, like lift, like, you know, like when you go to the gym, you got to lift some weights. I wouldn't know because I haven't been there in a long time, okay? But you kind of like start to get stronger and like, man, I feel like I'm getting stronger, right? Listen, guys, like we got to stop being like this little spaghetti Christian, okay? Like we got to strengthen up. Come on and bulk up, all right? And the way we're going to bulk up is by praying together. So, um, so uh, you like spaghetti? I know, but I don't like to be a spaghetti Christian though, okay? All right? I'm going to put, I'm going to put that on the wall somewhere like uh, when the building project is done. Like, don't be a spaghetti Christian, okay? I, I don't know. I kind of like, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so listen, listen, seek God for the city. Listen, just type in the app store, seek God for the city 2019. You'll get the app right there. Now, I have something to tell you, okay? Um, Eva and I are going to work on this for you weekly, okay? Um, we have um, seek God for the city in a summarized version, for those of you who don't have 99 cents, pobrecitos, Okay. Um, that means poor you. Um, um, for those of you who don't have 99 cents, we have summarized it into a little bit more of a friendly way for you if you don't have 99 cents. Or maybe you don't have a phone. You're like, I don't got a phone. Um, hey, all the more power to you for not having a phone, honestly. Okay, but um, this is a summarized version of it. And we put a lot of work into this. And um, <clears throat> we only printed 30 of them. Um, and we only printed 30 because we know that if we were to print like 80 or 90, that a bunch of you just leave them on the chairs and not take it home because you're not really like wanting to pray. And, um, but we're thinking that 30 of you will take it tonight, okay? And so if you'd rather have the app, by all means do the app. I have the app, I love it. It's so easy to use and follow. If you need a little bit more help because you can't get the app, then we want to help you participate in 40 days of prayer with us in this little summarized version, okay? Now, if you guys aren't taking this, <clears throat> then we're going to stop doing it. Like, we're, we're not going to keep printing it weekly. You're not going to take it. But uh, we'll help you out, okay, if you can't get the app. Maybe your mom or dad says, I, you, you know, you're not using my credit card to get an uh, app on your phone. That's cool. We're here to help you out, okay? All right, so that's the first announcement. second announcement is that next week 
We do not have remedy. It's spring break, okay? No remedy <clears throat> next week. No Wednesday night. No remedy next week, okay? Now, we got two things happening next week, okay? Two events happen next week. Number one, on Tuesday at 10 a.m., um, if you'd like to come and help out around here, we could really use some help, okay? So we've got a lot of things that need to happen in this place um, for this building project to happen. <clears throat> we've got chairs and classrooms that we're going to move back next door to their original home. We're going to move some chairs out of this place. Um, we got G201 that has decorations on the walls, T-shirts that are hanging, and all that stuff that we need to pack up and put away and, um, and stuff like that, okay? Um, and so if you can help us on Tuesday at 10, <clears throat> at 10 a.m., you can help us on Tuesday. We'll go 10 to noon, and, um, and uh, we'll order some pizza for you guys at noon. You guys can hang out just for a little bit. Uh, you can't stay late, though. It's a long, long day. But if you guys want to come help us, we really could use the help. And actually, um, we'll get you to actually sign up on Sunday morning to help. But um, if, you are, if you are able to help, think you're able to help, just come up to me afterwards and say, hey, I think I can be here on Tuesday. We get a little idea of how many people we can show up. Love to have at least 10 to 15 of you. If 30 of you show up, Oh, man, that would be too many. Okay, but 10 to 15 of you would be awesome, especially you upperclassmen. Okay, I love you seventh graders, but um, if I have 20 seventh graders and no upperclassmen, we um, probably are going to get um, not as much done as we could if we have some of you 18-year-olds, okay? All right, so then the other thing is on Friday at 6 o'clock, 6 to 9, Eli and a couple other leaders are going to be hosting you guys at Sonic on Ware Road, Okay, if you guys want to go hang out at Sonic, bring a couple bucks for ice cream or slushies or whatever you do at Sonic, and uh, volleyball there. That's the Sonic on where? On Friday of spring break. Listen to me. That's not this Friday, okay? If you go to Sonic, nobody will be there. Friday of spring break, okay? Last announcement. One more announcement. <clears throat> Two more announcements. Um, this um, Sunday morning, um, we are not going to be in this building. We're not going to be in this building anymore. We're moving out. Okay, on Sunday morning, if you come on Sunday morning, make sure that you go to the multi-purpose room. We'll go into the children's building, go to the multi-purpose room. There'll be some signs directing you on how to get there if you don't know where that is. Um, if you forget, there will be signs on this door right here out front. All the classrooms upstairs will be locked. Lights will probably be off in here. So if you walk in, you're like, where is everybody? There will be some signs on the door. Go to the multi-purpose room on Sunday. You're going to be in there every Sunday now until this building project is done, okay? Another announcement, okay? Um, today is our last Wednesday in this building, okay? So after this Wednesday, we don't have remedy next Wednesday because of spring break, but the following, the, when we're back after spring break, the following Wednesday, don't come here. We'll have signs on the door. It'll probably be locked. And uh, you are going to go to the worship center, okay? You can go to the worship center, and we're going to do remedy in there until our, pro our building project is done. Listen, I know that um, some of you are going to be like, oh, I'm in the worship center for Wednesday night. Listen, I've spent a long time telling people that you don't come to church because of a building. Okay? I've spent a lot of time. So when we move to the worship center after spring break, you don't stop coming to church because we're meeting in the worship center. You keep coming on Wednesday nights like you do. Have a great time together. We'll finish the school year in that building over there while they go crazy. As you can see, I kind of wanted you to see, like, what is starting to happen. Um, we'll give you glimpses along the way. But, like, let me tell you, something great, something amazing has already started and is going to go off in this place. And so 
we are hoping, like our goal is to be moving back in at the end of August and we kick off the next school year in here. But there's a little bit of me that says that it may happen a little bit earlier than, than, um, than the end of August. But the goal is September 1, we're kicking off the school year in here with a special service, okay? And so um, that means that today is our last Wednesday in here. A lot of, I have six years of memories in this building with some of you, five with some of you upperclassmen, six years. It's been such a cool space. I'm so thankful for all the Wednesdays we've had in here. I'm, I just want to apologize to the, to the um, in, inanimate object, the wood, the gym floor, wood floor. I just want to apologize to you and thank you for being so good to us all these years. All right, You've been good to us. And we hope in the days ahead, Wood Floor, to treat you a lot better than we have these six years. Um, but this place is going to be awesome. A lot of people working really hard on this building. Um, all of this downstairs section you see in there is going to turn into this incredible hangout space. It's going to be great. Your classrooms upstairs are going to look amazing. The media and lighting you're going to have in this place here is probably going to be, um, Josh telling me, it's going to be the best um, the best media and lighting that any youth ministry in the Valley has. It's gonna be awesome. And I'm just really excited for the days ahead. Man, I'm so, so excited. Um, and I hope also to get some of you involved in the project. As the project starts to progress, I'll start to say things like, hey, we need your opinion on this. Do you like art? Can you help us with that? And this, you're gonna hear us start to say some of those things in the days ahead. So I'm so excited about it. And I'm, and I'm glad to get out of this building because I can't even breathe all this dust in here. I've had bronchitis this week. And so that's why I'm like up here kind of like trying to breathe and like inhaling all this dust. So um, it's going to be awesome. Okay, so we're moving out. If I don't see you at church, I'm going through that little check-in iPad thing. And I'm going to find your phone number and be like, dude, why aren't you here? Oh, I don't, like, I don't like the worship center. I don't care, man. Jesus is with us. Let's go. All right? Come on. Bring your friend. All right? So um, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, I apologize. You came on our last Wednesday in this building, but it's going to be awesome, so keep coming back, okay? All right, so last thing I want to say today is that today is Paulina's birthday, all right? So just want to tell you happy birthday. Happy birthday. And, uh, and I just uh, I want to ask, are there any other birthdays this week? Has any of the birthdays happened this week? Or so Who's that? Your birthday is this Saturday? Cool. Any other birthdays this week? Carla? Awesome. Cool. What day is your birthday, Gabriel? This Friday? Awesome. We got several birthdays this week. Listen, all you birthday people this week, just come up here to the front really quick, okay? Come here, Paulina. I want to pray especially for you since your birthday is today. Come on. <clears throat> how we're going to end, okay? I got to let you get to C groups, okay? Here we go. Just come up here really quick. Listen, I want to pray for you guys, okay? Just thank God for your awesome, wonderful lives, okay? Friday, Saturday, what day, Carla? Saturday, Saturday today, 18? 17. Oh, okay, yeah, I always think you're a senior. Junior, okay, awesome. Let's, let me pray for you guys. God, I just want to thank you for, I want to thank you for these students, God. I want to thank you for Gabriel, for his uh, first year here at Calvary in, this, in the student ministry as a seventh grader and just his life. Pray, God, that you would grow him in wisdom and maturity as he continues to um, be with us at this church at Calvary. I want to thank you for Carla and for just all the awesome memories we have with her while she was in high school, as she come, came to faith, and you, as she is a leader here now and serves you. Shh. I want to pray for faith. I ask you, God, that you would just um, be with her 
as she is such an awesome example to her little brothers and sisters and her family. Just ask you to bless her on Saturday, on her birthday. And I want to just ask you to just be with Paulina and bless her, Lord, as she um, is uh, celebrating this birthday today, 17 years old, God. Pray, God, that you would just give her wisdom, give her strength, um, give her um, your spirit, God, as you guide her and lead her in the days ahead as an upperclassman. We love you, God. Just pray you bless them and just make their birthdays special, God, because of your love in them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, <clears throat> you guys got a little bit of C-group time left. Um, you can use classrooms upstairs if you like. Enjoy your C-group time, and uh, we'll see you afterwards, all right? If you're visiting today, come up to the front right now. I'm gonna help you